One way people should be able to experience the love of God is through the lives of Christian disciples. Do you agree with that? Here on Search for Truth Radio, we explore the statement in more detail with your Bible teacher, Brian Johnston. In recent programmes of this series called Sowing in Hard Soil, Brian's been investigating evidence for the existence of God via several means, creation, the giving of the law, and the presence of Jesus Christ. This time he considers the workings of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit reveals God to us. He can do this through the lives of his disciples today. For instance, in the words of the hymn, uh, that'll illustrate it. It says, Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me, all his wondrous compassion and purity. May the Spirit divine all my nature refine, till the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. Here's Brian. Thanks, John. We now come to the conclusion of our studies in 2 Corinthians chapters 3 and 4. We've previously been tracking the Apostle Paul's references to the glory of God with backward glimpses, first to the act of creation, and then to the giving of the law, and supremely to the life of Jesus Christ. It was in that latter connection that the full expression was applied, namely the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. But it appeals to me that there is a fourth place where God's glory may be seen, and that's currently in the lives of followers of Jesus Christ, and comes about as the Holy Spirit works in believers to transform them to be more and more like Christ. Obviously, Christians behaving badly are not a good advert, and certainly don't promote God's glory, but that's an abnormality, and not the way it should be, which is what Paul majored on in the last section of 2 Corinthians 3. He says, Christians, reading from verse 13, Christians are not like Moses, who used to put a veil over his face, so that the sons of Israel would not look intently at the end of what was fading away. But their minds, that's the minds of the Israelites, were hardened. For until this very day, at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted, because it is removed in Christ. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. The beginning and end of that section that we've just read are closely connected to one another. Paul begins by saying, we are not like Moses, who used to put a veil over his face. And then Paul ends by saying, but we all, with unveiled face. So that's Moses with a veiled face and us without one. Let's unpack that. Moses put a veil over his face so that the Israelites wouldn't see the fading afterglow of his face once he'd come away from God's presence. But we, as Christians, are not to obscure in any way the increasing brightness of our life's testimony. In Moses' case, the reflected glory of God in his face was a decreasing or diminishing radiance. In our case, daily times in God's presence when reading our Bibles and praying to God are to produce in us an intensifying likeness to Christ. This is something glorious, and it's all the work of the Spirit of God who resides inside every true believer on the Lord Jesus Christ. 
A witnessing Christian is ideally one who has spent time in God's presence, unveiled as Moses was in his time, but the Christian also remains unveiled before others when communicating. In other words, both first beholding God and then reflecting or mirroring to others in an unveiled way. Sadly, as we've been tracing in previous studies, there's still a veil which is now transferred to unbelieving hearts. There, Satan blinds the unbelieving to the testimony of God's love in us. This puts a clear responsibility on us to allow our lives to radiate God's love. It's been said, hasn't it, that each of us should preach the gospel and, if necessary, use words. That, however, doesn't tell the whole story, as God's good news is for declaring to others. Each night on television screens, the daily news is announced to us. That's what you do with news. It's for announcing. And so we should also present the good news of the Christian faith, as well as letting our lives display God's glory. But the lives of Christians are the only gospel some people will ever read, as they see the ever-brightening afterglow coming from transformed lives. We spoke a moment ago about allowing our lives to radiate God's love. The Apostle John makes the point well about how the story of God's love is completed in us. Let's allow him to present to us all that which he has to tell us about the love of God. It's found in 1 John chapter 4 from verse 7. Beloved, John says, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his Spirit. We have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Saviour of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. The Apostle John begins by telling us that God is love. It's what God is by nature. But then John adds that no one has seen God at any time. Love is therefore the nature of the invisible God. To reveal his love to us, to show to us what we otherwise couldn't see, God sent his Son, Jesus, into this world. In his love for us, he sent his Son as the man Jesus. Jesus came as God robed in mortal flesh, as one hymn writer has put it. 
And the point that leads on to is the fact that God sent his Son to die for the sins of all who believe on him. In summary, until this point, what John has told us is that God, by his very nature, is love. And more than that, he has displayed historically the love that he is by sending his Son, Jesus Christ, to die for sinners. But Christ's death and resurrection in history was almost 2,000 years ago. So is there not a present-day witness to God's love? Is it possible that God has left himself without witnesses to his love for humanity? No, God's witnesses are Christians. When John writes that God's love is perfected in us, the sense of that is God's love is made complete in us, or so it should be. I find it quite wonderful that we who believe on Christ, living believers today, can be spoken of here as completing God's purpose of declaring who he is, that he is love by his very nature. John has made three points clear about the love of God. He says God is love and that he showed that in sending Christ. And thirdly, now he completes the picture through present day Christians. That's a billing we've got to live up to. The Apostle John writes of love as being the characteristic feature of Christian believers. We love because we have been forgiven. On the other hand, non-believers are characterised by fear, consciously or unconsciously. There is the fear of punishment in the judgment to come. Deep in the human consciousness, the unbeliever knows that he or she is guilty before a holy God. That's why John could say in verse 18, perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. Some take those words as of general application, but they are to be found in this context we've been considering. When a person repents of being a sinner and receives Christ by faith for salvation from the judgment to come, it's then that perfect love casts out fear. They then bask in God's forgiving love, free from all fear of punishment to come. Now love, not fear, characterises them. Returning now to where we were a moment ago in 2 Corinthians, where we remember Paul having said, For God, who said, Light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Paul is referring to the earthen vessels of our human bodies. He's mentioning they contain the treasure of knowing and sharing the love of God with others. Our very weakness and inadequacy underlines that it's all done by God's own power through us. In fact, our trials and perhaps for some, persecutions, as with Paul himself, only serve to make even more authentic 
our testimony to a resurrected Saviour. By the Spirit of God's transforming work of grace in us, and through the loving response he enables within us, God will be glorified. Glorified in us, as he was perfectly glorified in Christ, and as he was also glorified in the law and in the act of creation. And so we've seen God's glory, glimpsed it on the face of the waters in creation, in the face of Moses at the time of the law-giving, but supremely in the face of Jesus Christ. Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. All his wondrous compassion and purity. May the Spirit divine all my nature refine till the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. Now, as Brian said, and our hymn echoes, let us seek to glorify God by allowing the transforming work of grace which the Spirit of God enables within us and the expression of a loving response which others will see and experience. Now, I'd like to remind you that all our talks are available online or as a transcript book. You can use email or the post. And here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY, UK. And our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. Now, you may be interested to know that if you go to the website I just mentioned at churchesofgod.info forward slash media, now, if you have any questions you'd like to ask at any time following Brian's talks, then do write in. But it's been a privilege to share this time of study with you, and I hope you enjoyed Brian's talk. Do join us next time when Brian will be continuing this series, Sowing in Hard Soil, for four final weeks. But till then, it's goodbye and very best wishes from Brian, David, our singers and me, John. So see you again soon. And in the meantime, may God richly bless you. Let the beauty of Jesus be